Hey girl, I'm Hillary McGinnis and I'm your host for the Stay True to You podcast. I'm an online business coach who decided to leave my career as a teacher and build my own business from the ground up. This podcast is all about personal growth and helping you make your business vision come to life. You will leave this podcast feeling inspired to take action and keep following that dream on your heart, all while showing up as the truest version of yourself. I'm so excited you're here. Hey, and welcome back to the Stay True to You podcast. Today, I have our very first guest on the podcast. Her name is Katie Sanders, and she is a mindset and habits coach. On this episode, she gives some tangible tips and advice around all things habits, mindset, self-care, and imposter syndrome. This episode was getting recorded when my daughter was in tow because my husband was late getting home that day and you can totally hear her, especially during the first half of this episode. So you get some of the real and rawness of building a business from home with a toddler as my assistant, but I'm so grateful for Katie for being so patient and rocking the interview despite the few distractions during this recording. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Katie, welcome to the Stay True to You podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and share all of your knowledge and expertise on all things habit and mindset. So to kick things off, I'd love it if you could just share a little bit about yourself and your entrepreneurial journey from becoming a Beachbody coach and transitioning into a habit and mindset coach. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, It's been quite an interesting journey. I'm excited to talk a little bit about it. So um, I know you and I actually both met in a business coaching program when we were both still with Beachbody. So obviously a lot has changed. Um, For me, I never had any intention really to be an entrepreneur of any type, definitely not in the network marketing world. Um, It wasn't even something that I even ever knew about, to be honest. And I got, you know, kind of affiliated with Beachbody for my own health journey. And because I did have a really, um, you know, impactful kind of health transformation, both physically and mentally, and was feeling my best that I ever had, I just felt kind of, you know, excited. And I really wanted to be able to empower women to not just pursue those health goals, but really whatever it was that was going to lead to them fully loving their life and really feeling their best. And so for a while, that was Beachbody. Um, I absolutely loved it. It was great. But I kind of think of it as entrepreneur like 101. Like it kind of dips your toes in the water and then you're like, okay, but there's a lot more. And so there was kind of a sticking point for me where... I'd been putting a lot into it for a couple of years. And this is still in addition to working full-time. So it wasn't something I was doing full-time, but I just never felt like I was really getting to where I wanted to be in my business. And you know, it, t- it doesn't take much other than a pandemic to really make you question everything and start to really think about what you have going on in your life. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that made a bunch of like drastic changes during COVID. But kind of during that time, I originally just thought that I wanted to go all in on my Beachbody business after working in this you know, group coaching program with you. And um, I decided that in order to do that, I wanted to work with a different coach, someone that was doing this full-time who could really mentor me to grow this into a bigger business. Um, that then meant you know, in Beachbody world that I actually had to take six months off. And so for someone that had been doing this, you know, even just kind of at a hobby level, but for three years, you know, working with clients, creating content, running groups to support people, taking that six months off was crazy. Like I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. And so originally I just thought, well, what can I do during this time to stay sane? 
to stay active, to do something that I love to do, but to help people in a way that's not through Beachbody because I don't have that option. And as that six months kept progressing, I just started to see not only how much opportunity there was in having something completely my own, but having that joy, having that freedom to really create whatever I wanted that to look like and got, you know, kind of got to thinking about what I could do that was different than Beachbody and still pulling from my own transformation, still pulling from really the big mindset shift that I'd had throughout that of people can do whatever it is that they want to do. If they have the right tools, if they have the support, if they're able to actually look at what has held them back in the past, what are their limiting beliefs, their doubts, all of those things so that they know what to actually change and they can do it in a way that's really actually easy for them and rewarding. And so I kind of came up with this whole brand new business of mindset and habit coaching. And it's, you know, taken a few months to get that kind of flushed out, but a lot of it really is, you know, it's it's person by person, what that looks like. Everyone has different goals and routines and needs, but helping them kind of break through all of that day-to-day clutter, all of that stress and overwhelm to really get clear on what it is that they actually want and what they need to change in their lives in order for that to be a realistic option and really creating simple steps forward to creating better habits, to eliminating you know some of those bad habits um, in, in a way that feels good and feels realistic for them. Yes, I love that. And I always say that network marketing is almost like a gateway to like other bigger things, opportunities, the coaching world, which we're both a part of, which is really cool how we kind of met in a program to grow our network marketing businesses. Mm -hmm. And we both ended up transitioning and doing our own thing. But I mean, I have zero regrets doing Beachbody. I loved it as well. It was so much fun and just, it gave us that experience, I feel. And it kind of dipped our toes into the online coaching world, which is, which is really, really cool. So yeah. And yeah, I'll always be grateful. I mean, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have never even gotten the ambition, the drive, or just the actual skills to then go into opening my own business and really know what that would look like and how I could make that a realistic thing. So it's, you know, it's great. And for people that are in network marketing and pursuing that on a larger scale, or maybe even in this position of wanting to do both, it's totally doable, but your heart needs to be in it. That's really the biggest thing that whatever it is that you're pursuing, if that passion and that drive isn't there, that's, you know, that's going to impact what you're doing. Exactly. Yes. A hundred percent. So I guess I know that a lot of people who are listening to this are currently growing their online businesses on the side, which we both know it takes a lot of work. Um, and like you said, you have to, like your heart has to be into it for sure. Um, but I also know the importance of taking breaks and having that downtime. That's become something that's something that has become really important to me as well. Um, so I'm just curious for your perspective, because you also work full time and you're building this business and you're rocking it. Um, so I'm just curious to know what advice you would have for someone who's trying to build their online business and have some success with it, but they also work full time. Like, do you have any tips on just managing their time without experiencing that burnout? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting for me because what I do in my full-time career, I work for a nonprofit, but I I do marketing. And so a lot of the time too, for me, it's creative burnout. Even though what I do with my business and my clients is very different, I'm still 
on social media a lot, you know, running websites, interacting with people a lot. I'm an introvert. So that's also just a lot of burnout oh, totally. and, and it can be challenging for sure. Not even factoring in just the actual physical time. If you're 40 hours a week or spent somewhere else, and then you're trying to, you know, match that, or you feel that you need to match that to successfully run your own business outside of those hours, you're, you're going to experience that burnout. Um, so I think some big things, I mean, we've kind of already talked about having that drive. You need to be pursuing something that you are passionate about and actually interested in and can help people in. Um, I know that's kind of, you know, an obvious one, but if you have been just already going through the motions, you may not even realize if that's not the situation that you're in. So really getting clear on what you want your business to be. Something that's really important to think about too is how would you want to run your business? Even when you are full-time in it, you're not going to be wanting to stay up till midnight every night. You're not going to be wanting to work 80 hours a week. So even though right now that seems like your only option, that's going to create kind of that precedent for how you run your business. And that's not what you want. You know, setting those boundaries with yourself, but also with how you interact with your clients. If you don't want to be having them rely on you 24-7, you know, messaging them back at 2 a.m., then don't get into that habit. Um, In terms of the actual, you know, behind the scenes and kind of creation stuff, just stay really organized, really, you know, kind of pare down your to-do list to maybe your top two or three things a day. You know, there are things that we all know we need to be doing daily or or at least, you know, a couple of times a week, but really figure out what are your big priorities each day. For me, that looks like, you know, interacting with clients, being on podcasts, putting content out there, emails, all of that. And in the weekends when I have more time and I have more energy, that's kind of my larger projects behind the scenes. That's really building up my website, you know, working on future offers, things like that. Um, so really kind of, you know, look at your schedule and match that up with your goals in a way that makes sense so that you're not just, you know, you're not drained from your workday and then trying to do a million things at night. You're using your energy when you have it. Um, because if, if you're not, if you're already burned out, that's not just going to impact you. That's going to impact your business and everyone that comes into contact with it. Exactly. Yes. So helpful. Like 100%, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Otherwise it's going to feel like a chore. And it's really like at the end of the day, what is the purpose of it? If you're just Mm -hmm. burnt out and grinding and you're not really into it. So that's a really good point. And that can be, that can be hard too. I think when you are passionate about it because you may not always realize like, okay, like I I love this so much. And you know, these are the only hours that I'm doing it. So I want to do it all the time, but that's still just not sustainable for you long-term. And, you know, you might have one day like that, but you can't keep that up every single day. And that's going to eventually take a toll. So you can have passion, you can have that excitement and you can still use that in kind of specific, you know, slots of time in your schedule so that that never, you know, takes over so that you're still having that balance between your full-time career that you still have, but also being a mom or being, you know, being with your family or whatever else it is. Absolutely. And I mean, even from my perspective, as like I work my business full-time and you help me do this yourself and where I was just trying to do way too many things every day. And I Mm -hmm. love what I do. And like you said, like you kind of want to be doing it because you enjoy it, but at the same time, you need to kind of set those boundaries. And I'm really glad that I reached out to you for help with that. So yeah. Um, Okay. So I also talked to my audience a lot about taking time off from their business. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a tricky, tricky situation just because like there are people who are working their business 
on the side with a full-time job. Um, so how could this kind of look for those people who would still like to have that one day off a week where they don't have to focus on their other job? They don't have to worry about their business. Like, is there, do you have any advice around being able yeah. to day off? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, especially with online businesses now, we all get drained in general being on social media, even if we're not on there as business owners. And if that's really where you're selling, you know, your business and working with people, your audience probably takes step back. They probably do like a month long detox. You would never do that. That seems way too crazy, but they take that break. They know when it's too much. And especially this past year when we've all been at home more and just, kind of numbed out and just scrolling through our phones, we all end up needing that break. Um, but even if that's not the case, I mean, you know, on the weekend, that's kind of my time to recharge. But I also go into that with ease because I know that's probably when my audience is recharging. And so they're not going to be glued to their phones. It's okay. You know, people want to hear what you have to say. They are interested. But they're not, you know, waking up at the crack of dawn, immediately going to your profile, seeing if you posted a story. Like they they're not going to notice if you take a step back. I mean, there's a fine line between, you know, knowing when you need that break, obviously, but then kind of leaning into that a little bit too much. But as long as you are still doing, you know, whatever it is that your business needs, both publicly kind of at the front line, but also behind the scenes, the majority of the time, your business is still going to move forward and you're still going to see that progress. You're not going to be farther behind because, you know, you took one day off or you, you stayed out with friends, you know, later than you meant to, um, you know, as long as you're not completely dropping the ball on things, things are still going to move forward. Uh, so just keep that in mind. I think that's a big kind of mindset shift that comes with that. But in terms of like tangible things, you know, just kind of like I was talking about really work smarter, not harder. If you know that you have, you know, two hours of free time and you're energized and you have, you know, no distractions, instead of worrying about everything you're not going to get done, kind of challenge yourself to see, okay, how much can I get done in two hours? You know, go into that two hours, focus on one thing at a time without your mind racing through other things, because you're going to be producing better quality in that way. Um, you know, and on that note too, just always remembering that quality is better than quantity, whether that means, you know, you have one really strong, robust offer and that's it, or you have two really great posts from this week and that's it, whatever it is that you're doing and producing, still putting all of that effort and energy into something to make it really good is better than doing that every single day just to still be seen and still be seen as an active business owner. Yes, I love that. And I think I said, I was talking about this a little bit on my stories today about how if you do take a day off of social media or whatever that looks like for a day off, and maybe you are doing things behind the scenes, but you're just not showing up at the front lines, it's totally okay because your business is not going anywhere if you leave for a day. And you still need to take like those holidays and, and just, you need those breaks. And like you yeah. said, social media in general is draining, even if you're not building an online business. So having those breaks is definitely crucial. So yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah. And it kind of creates that relatability and trust with your audience too, where they know, okay, she's taking a step back. She's taking a day off. She's spending the holidays with her family. Like there is a human on the other side of this. And depending on what you're working on, you know, it could be boundaries. And that might be showing your clients that you do set strong boundaries. They know to trust you on that because not only are you teaching them to set boundaries, you're also doing that yourself. So um, I think it does kind of add to that actual human kind of piece of who's behind that online business. 
Absolutely. Yes. I love that. And boundaries are crucial. Like in life in general, boundaries are so important. And another thing I like to say too, is that resting is a money-making activity at the end of the day. Cause if you are experiencing that burnout and whatever that looks like, you're not actually getting any, like you're not making those steps closer to getting that success that you want in your business. So absolutely. Yeah. And you're more likely to cut corners. You're, you might be doing all of the things still. Maybe you don't seem like you're cutting corners, but you're not putting your best out there because you're juggling all of those things. And you're just trying to check off a box at the end of the day. You're not going to be really supporting your business in a, in a beneficial way. Absolutely. Like you said, you got to work smarter, not harder. And it's, yep. So true. It's cliche, but it works. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So now that we're talking about a little bit about burnout, I want to kind of talk about the signs of burnout because I know for me, and it may look different for everyone, I'm not entirely sure, but for me, I just get tired. My I lose creativity. Um, I then I start to get really overwhelmed and stressed, and then I just second guess myself and everything that I'm doing, and it's just like a spiral. And I can kind of acknowledge when I'm starting to feel that bit of burnout, which I don't mm-hmm. really experience much anymore after working with you, which is Yay. <laughs> but That's I definitely we want. have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, like I said, I reached out to you a few months ago to better establish that a schedule and routine for myself so that I wouldn't experience this overwhelm and burnout, if you will. Mm-hmm. So what would you say would be some like clear signs that you are experiencing burnout? Yeah, I think it's I think it's tricky. Um, I talk a lot about burnout prevention because I don't think if you're managing burnout that you're in a good position. I know that's kind of a a big phrase or buzzword that we hear out there. And in my unpopular opinion, if you're already burnt out, you are just going to be managing. You're not going to be you know really getting better or feeling like you're moving forward. So it can be hard though to see that coming. I think it's you know a couple of times of saying yes, I'll take on this project or I'll stay later or I'll do that. It doesn't seem like a big thing in the moment, but if that goes on for two or three months, you're going to start feeling more burned out. And the more that you're not really holding those firm boundaries on what you can do, the easier it is for people to take advantage of that. And they, you know, they'll say, Hillary and Katie are staying late every two hours or they're up at the crack of dawn answering my messages. So I know that I can go to them and ask these questions during that time. So um, I think it can definitely be tricky, um, but it it is a lot of really simple things. I think it's important to think about if you are feeling, you know, consistently worn out, consistently groggy or just forgetful or just angry, if that's how you're starting to feel the majority of the time, you're probably burned out or you may not really be in a career or in a business that is well-suited for you. A lot of that can be your environment, but there's also things that you can do as well to prevent that. But if you are feeling just basically horrible, a lot of the time, then something's wrong. That's a big red flag. Um, I know for me, when I've been burned out before, it's it's been from a combination of things. I think, you know, there's social burnout where you are always saying yes to plans with friends and family and it seems fine. You want to be with them. You obviously love them, but you just fill up your schedule too much and you get worn out. Um, you know, when I've been burned out before in a career that was both, you know, doing way too much, also being, you know, underpaid. And so I worked another job and 
there were multiple factors really contributing to that, but then I felt like I didn't have a way out. So I think that's probably the biggest red flag is knowing that you are struggling um, and feeling stuck and that you can't really, you know, get to a better place where you're feeling your best again. You have more kind of consistency and balance in your routines um, and are really, you know, avoiding that. If you're constantly running on empty, if you're constantly neglecting even just, you know, basic self-care, like getting a haircut or, um, you know, feeling like you always have to cancel an appointment for you because something else comes up, that's a big sign that you're burned out. And that's a big sign that everyone else's needs are coming before yours. And that's ultimately just going to really take a big toll on you. Yes. It's so true. And it's like, it's okay to say no. And I feel like I know myself, I'm, I used to be, I still am in a way, but used to be a big people pleaser. So Mm -hmm. I never wanted to say no to anybody, but I'm getting better in terms of being like, no, like don't feel like that right now, or it doesn't serve me. Or I just have so many other things going on. You just know it's going to be too much to take on. So it is really important to say. Yeah. I think a big thing is just being, you know, self-aware of what kind of your limits are. Um, You know, for me, I know if I do something every single day, you know, whether that's, you know, meetings and calls or seeing friends that I'm probably worn out at the end of the week. Um, I know how much sleep I need to feel my best. I know how often I need to move my body to feel my best. Like I kind of know where my tipping points are with all of these different things and where those limits are. And so I know that if I'm getting, you know, past that, if it's been a couple of weeks since I've worked out, I'm probably physically not feeling well. I'm probably mentally not feeling well. If I've got plans every single day, I'm probably feeling a little bit stretched then. And, and just being realistic with yourself. Um, you know, the same way we were talking about kind of quality over quantity in your business, it's the same thing with what you're doing. And so if you are consistently saying yes to these things, you are not gonna be feeling your best. You're not gonna be putting your best out there whether that's at work, whether that's in your business or just with, you know, social obligations. So at some point your needs do need to be brought up to the table and that's okay. You know, saying no doesn't have to be a bad thing. That's honoring what your needs are and communicating that and putting that out there to the people that are around you. Yes, it's so true. And even going back to like the business thing and setting those boundaries, even with your clients and stuff is so huge. I think especially starting out because we want to be that person and you want to be that person that's there for them like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we don't have the capacity for that at all. So it is really important to say like, I'm in, let's say Voxer or something until this time every day, Monday through Friday. I think when I first started, I said 24 hour access to me and Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I can those messages at 3am. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's almost like false advertising because you know, like you can't be that person, especially in the coaching world. You're there to be their coach, not their, right. know the word, but right. <laughs> it is yeah, it teaches that when you're not setting those boundaries, it's teaching them that those boundaries don't exist. And yes, especially as a coach, you know, you're there to support them, but they also need to be able to support themselves. And, and, you know, with anything, if you are setting those boundaries, it it may feel like the world is going to fall apart underneath you, but most of the time it won't, you know, whether it's a client asking you all of these urgent questions and then having the time to go and figure it out on their own before you get to them, which is great. That doesn't mean that you've done them a disservice. This meant, you know, they're taking action and accountability on what it is that they want um, or saying, you know, no at work or just, I don't have the capacity to take this on right now. Um, it's, it's not, you know, letting things fall apart underneath you. It's 
you know, you've hit your max and everyone else will just have to either wait until you're available or they'll be able to figure it out on their own in the meantime. Exactly. It's so true. And I mean, at first I know it's like hard because like I said, you just want to be that person. But at the end of the day, when you set those clear boundaries and you're like, this is what time I'm available at. And then after that, you won't hear from me till the next day at 10 a.m., let's say it's really not that bad. Like I'm even Mm -hmm. clear to say, like, if you do think of something and you want to send it, like you can still send your questions or send ideas or whatever to me. You just won't hear back from me till the next day. And it's everybody understands. So I don't know. (laughs) A full business day. Yeah. It's totally normal. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about self-care because I know you talk about this a lot as well. And I just find that there is a lot of misconception about self-care and just associating self-care with like, you know, the typical things like a bubble bath or spending money on things like a pedicure or massage. But I know that there's like a lot, there's a lot of other ways to practice self-care. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like this is an issue with some people because they feel like they can't incorporate self-care into their day-to-day because they think it has to be some extravagant thing. So what would you recommend to someone who is struggling to incorporate that like self-care practices in their day-to-day life, um, but they feel like their schedule is already just too jam-packed or too busy? Yeah, (laughs) Um, I I totally agree with all that. I think we've somehow put self-care up on this pedestal, which has made it unattainable. It's made it, you know, a $400 spa day or a whole glass of wine and a book and 15 candles and all of the bath bombs. And that's great. And if that is your self-care, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But at least for most people, that's not an everyday thing. And when that's what your version or expectation of self-care is, yeah, it's hard to make that a part of your life because you can't carve out a couple hundred dollars in a few hours every day. That's just not realistic. Um, The way that I like to classify self-care is really thinking about what our basic needs are as a human being to survive, (laughs) to get through. I mean, we know that we need to move our bodies. We need to stay hydrated. We need to eat. Um, we need to socialize, we need to see people, we need quiet time. And so with kind of knowing that, with having that kind of version of self-care, figuring out what things are going to give you each of those feelings or each of those needs. Um, and, and that can take some trial and error, you know, for you, if you're anxious, it might be journaling. And for me, it might be a walk or I might have 15 different things and I kind of pick and choose whichever feels the best on that day. But when you kind of boil it down to these bite-sized things, it makes it something that you can do every day more, you know, more kind of in a preventative way before you are ever at that place of burnout. If you're every day able to move your body and have a nourishing meal and unplug and get a good night's sleep, then you're going to feel better. You're not going to get to that point where you are really stretched thin and overwhelmed. And even if you do, or even if you do have those off days, because that still happens, you actually know what to do with your time. You know how to kind of step away and figure out what you as a human in that moment need. Maybe you've just been eating a lot of crap and you need to go cook dinner or you need you know, to go sweat it out or whatever it is. Um, and it can be as simple as keeping a list of those things. I have a list kind of of the things that I know when I'm really anxious because even though I'm a mindset coach, I have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> And I know these are the things that, you know, yes, I could go go scroll Instagram for a few minutes and I might feel relaxed or I might feel happy, 
but that's not going to give me that deep, you know, real feeling of either of those things. So maybe it's journaling, maybe it's reading, maybe it's calling my mom. These are all of the things that I know, you know, and historically have kind of proven to give me that feeling. And I'm going to go and pick and choose what it is that I need from that. Um, so I think that's kind of a way to think about it. That kind of breaks down that expectation and makes it something that we actually can do every day. Um, in terms of the schedule piece too, I mean, looking at all of those things and kind of laser focused in on how long it actually takes you to do those things. I think we sometimes think, well, you know, I want to go paint, but I know that I'll have to get out all my stuff and clean my brushes and it'll be an hour and I only have 20 minutes. So looking at what it is that you're doing, how long it does it actually take? Because it probably doesn't take as much time as you think it will. And if it does, what's a smaller version of that that you can do? Maybe it's not painting, but you're coloring or you're doodling or whatever it is, something that's still going to help you relax and actually rest. Um, and then, you know, just finding pockets where you can add that in. One of my favorite um, habit strategies I was talking about with a self-care coach recently was habit stacking and kind of habit stacking is really tricking you into doing something that you otherwise didn't have time for. Um, you know, essentially you are just pairing the habit that you want to have with something that you're already doing. And so that could be as simple as, you know, while your morning coffee is brewing, you meditate for five minutes. You already have that pocket of time where you're not really doing something else. And it's easy to put that self-care in and make sure that you have time for it in your schedule. I love that. I love the idea mm -hmm. of habit, habit stacking. I need to- So good. Because <laughs> I'm still guilty for doing, like getting frustrated some days because I don't, like, especially as a mom who's working mm -hmm. full time at home, raising her as well, it's busy and every morning is not the same. And I've learned to give myself grace, especially mm -hmm. my morning routine, because that's essentially my self-care time. I really like to have that quiet time, but it doesn't always go as planned. And I think I like that idea of just habit stacking. And I also really liked how you said you just kind of have this list that you pick and choose from. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing like extravagant as much oh. as we all love or most of us love getting our nails done or pedicures mm -hmm. or whatever. Those are those are just separate, I feel, compared to like a day-to-day self-care routine. Um, like you said, it could be as simple as moving your body every day mm -hmm. or meditating or journaling. There's so many different things, but obviously it has to kind of fill your cup. But mm -hmm. yeah, I like the idea of having that list too, especially when you're starting to feel like anxious or overwhelmed. You can yeah. It's really because, you know, I think with habits in general and what we've kind of talked about of working smarter, not harder, if you don't already know those things or have them easily accessible, even though there's that part of your brain in the back that's like, I'm getting really anxious. This is probably my cue to stop. You're not necessarily going to lean into that. And then you might feel more stressed that you weren't able to get out of that anxious phase. So having it really, you know, accessible, visible is going to make it easier for you to kind of switch gears. Um, and like you said, not every day is going to be perfect and that's okay too. That comes back to really knowing what those non-negotiables are for you, what those limits are for you. You know, do you need to make sure you do your morning routine at least two days a week? Um, if you don't have it at all for a week or two, you're probably going to feel a difference. And so how can you prioritize that? Really set those weekly goals so you have flexibility if you do 
do miss a day or things don't go the way you want. Or maybe if it's, you know, maybe not a morning routine, but maybe you didn't get your morning workout in and you know that's a priority for you and you know that's going to really impact you. So how can you shift around your evening to fit in a 20 minute workout or go for a walk for 10 minutes? So just really kind of starting to honor those habits on a higher level, not because they're things that you should do or you have to do, but you know that they're going to make you feel better. Um, And you know that those are going to give you that deeper sense of calm and happiness than scrolling Instagram or whatever it is, especially if you are serving your business on there. Um, One of the things that I tell myself is after I serve, I can scroll. So that way I'm actually intentional about being on Instagram. I'm making sure I am running my business on there. And that's also kind of trying to break that habit of me just sitting there scrolling. Um, And most of the time, you know, by the time I'm done with whatever business stuff on there, I don't want to be on the app anymore. And so I go do some of those other more stress relieving things. Yes, exactly. That's that's so good. I love it. (laughs) I also love the serve before before you Mm -hmm. scroll. That's actually a really... that's a good one. I just, yeah, I was pretty proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't completely perfected it, but it still helps me to keep that intention. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, creating new habits too takes time, I feel, which kind of leads me into my next question is someone decides that they want to start creating these new habits, whether it's a morning routine or a fitness routine, or I, I keep going to routines, but any sort of habit really that you want to create. But a lot of the times we just kind of dive right into it and say, this is mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. And then it becomes a lot because you're not used to it. So um, how would you recommend that anyone would just start in like implementing a new habit without taking on too much at one time? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely a common thing. I think we get really excited and we want to be at whatever that finish line is, whatever that goal is. And so we hit the ground running, but we're not really supported to actually create those habits. And then, you know, we're doing too much before we're actually trained for it or ready for it. And then we're still not seeing the results that we want. So then we're defeated and then we go backwards and it it just becomes this vicious cycle. Um, The example that I always use, and I don't know why I use this because I'm not a runner, but if you were to sign up for a marathon, you know, at some point you need to run 26 miles. You know, you know that, you know, whenever that race date is that you need to be able to run 26 miles. You would never, unless you run a million marathons, you would never go out tomorrow and run 26 miles. You know that your body's not prepared for that. You know that that's doing way too much. So you need to start where you're actually at with whatever skills or knowledge or tools that you already have and go from there. So You've signed up for a marathon, so maybe that's tomorrow, you know, going and getting new tennis shoes, you know, starting to walk a mile or two every couple of days, and then you build from there. Um, With new habits in general, really approaching it in that small kind of bite-sized way of what can you do now? And then once you've gotten really good at that, then you challenge it, then you bump it up a little bit more. Um, The way that I work with my clients is kind of this reverse goal planning of knowing where you need to be at the end. And then what do you need to do, you know, the day before that, what do you need to do a month before that, three months before that, six months before that, so that you know what you do today is going to lead to that goal, but it's going to do it in a sustainable way. Um, And I think that also just makes it more enjoyable because you're not overdoing it. You're really working with yourself, building whatever skills or support it is that you need and continuing to build on that until you do have that habit. Um, So that's something that I think can be really helpful, really setting kind of weekly goals. Um, 
I think that allows you to actually see the progress that you want. And if the habits you are trying to create are becoming habits for you, if they are serving you in the way you want, and if not, it kind of gives you a weekly checkpoint to say, okay, well, this didn't work. Maybe I'm going to tweak this. Maybe, um, you know, working out in the morning isn't working well for me. Let me try working out in the evening. Let me see if I can change this around. Um, Because you also don't want to spend, you know, weeks and months doing something and it not actually be what you wanted or what you thought it would be, or maybe you reached a different goal, but that wasn't what, you know, that wasn't the direction you were heading. So having kind of those weekly focuses, having some kind of system for actually tracking, um, you know, whether that's daily to kind of get you into that habit of it or a weekly check-in to kind of know where you're at with things. But um, those are a few things that I think, you know, can really be applied to any habit and make it so much easier to create it, but also more enjoyable. I love that. I love the bite-sized pieces. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's so important because yeah, when we dive right in, I like the run. I like the runner example because yeah, no, I would never be able to just jump in. Exactly. And, and so, why would we do that with starting a business? We're not going to go out tomorrow yeah. and get a loan and start a podcast and build a website and sign. You know, that's just not how that you know, would go. And if that were to happen by some miracle, that's also not going to be sustainable. That's not going to be something you can maintain every day. So how can you actually create sustainable habits that are going to stick, that are going to be those long-term habits that are really going to support you? Exactly. Yes. Like even just, I mean, there's like bigger habits and there's also like just trying to get up earlier. This was always a big one too, for me. Mm-hmm. I used to always be a morning person and then I suddenly wasn't, I guess, mom life happened, but like, going from getting up at like 7 30 in the morning and then trying to get up at like five it's it's just hard to just dive in and do that so even just like cutting it back to like instead of 7 30 I'll set my alarm for 7 15 and just Mm -hmm. pushing it back like that I just find it so much more helpful that way and I yeah I like that we kind of need to do that for setting any kind of new habits in our yeah And that takes the pressure off of us too. I think that's a big thing of, we want to already be 15 steps forward and we're disappointed that we're not, or we thought that because we set out, you know, with these massive goals, hit the ground running, that we should be there by now. And that if we're not, that something's wrong. And so it really takes off the pressure. Um, it, It teaches you how to really build those habits without stressing about that outcome and really being mindful about the process and what that looks like for you. Exactly. Yes. And um, so yeah, and this is okay. So this is a little bit, a little off topic, but I know that you do cover this a little bit too. Um, and it's something that actually comes up a lot with my clients. And I know that you do share some good insight on imposter syndrome in your, like on your social media platforms. So kind of just to end this off, I would love it if you'd be able to share just some tips or advice on managing imposter syndrome, because I feel like we don't completely overcome it rather than Mm -hmm. rather we just kind of navigate through it. So it no longer holds us back from doing the things we want to do. Um, so yeah, if you can kind of give us some insight on imposter syndrome, that would be, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's such a big thing, especially in the online business world. And I think that that's because, you know, I can have my business and be rocking it, but it's also super easy for me to see 500 other mindset coaches, habit coaches, mindset and habit coaches, burnout coaches, you know, all of that. And when we're doing that, you know, mindless scroll where we originally start out as research, but then we're just kind of looking at all our stuff and comparing, it gets really hard to not think that what we have is less qualified. Um, You know, I've even had 
um, you know, clients that I've signed and then they've worked with another coach in a totally different capacity. And even though I knew I was helping them with what they came to me to help them with, I was then in my head, like, well, then they're working with this other kind of mindset coach. Like, who am I to do this? And she's, you know, full-time already. So what does that mean about me? And it doesn't mean anything about you. These are just kind of projections of our own doubts or our own insecurities. Um, I think the easiest thing to really quickly kind of silence that imposter syndrome is to back up, you know, not back up your doubts, but um, I guess shut them down with data. You know, if you are worried that you can't sign that client or that you're letting that client down or you don't actually have a transformation. And maybe that's not a reflection of you. Maybe your client isn't actually taking the tools that you're giving them and really doing the work needed on their end. Look at testimonies, you know, talk to other clients who have come to you, you know, gushing and crying because you've helped them so much. And just kind of remember that, you know, even if you're going into maybe a sales call with a new client and they don't sign with you, that doesn't mean that you came off as salesy. That doesn't mean that you don't have a great offer. They're just not at that point in their journey. Or maybe, you know, they might come down the road, you know, three months and need your help, or maybe they'll go in a different direction. And that's okay too. That doesn't mean anything about you. Um, I think this comes back to kind of being passionate about what you're doing, but also believe in what you're doing. Because if you don't believe in it, there's no reason anyone else will. And if you're doubting it, that's going to start to ooze out around you. But having those doubts and fears, that's still normal. I think that's just being a human and being in that online space. So when those pop up, figuring out how you can totally shut, you know, kind of shut that down. Like maybe you're having that kind of feeling where you are feeling like an imposter syndrome or feeling like an imposter. So that's not the time where you need to get back in the DMs and be talking with people because you're probably going to shift the way that you're speaking with them. You're going to kind of change things because your brain is already telling you that something you're doing is wrong. So knowing, you know, just like you would when you're having that moment of stress or anxiety that you need to switch gears for a second, do that when those thoughts pop up, you know, switch out of that mindset, go do something else that isn't going to be impacted by you feeling that way and figure out how you can shut that down with looking at, you know, what your offer is, how empowerful, how powerful it is, you know, how it's helped others in the past. And you have proof of that. So that can all kind of break down those thoughts that you're experiencing. Yes. I love that. And, and I actually just started doing that too. Like when I do have imposter syndrome come out, I go back just to look at like client wins mm -hmm. or testimonials, like you said, and it really, really helps because I do think that those moments of doubt and imposter syndrome is always going to creep up. Like, I really don't think there's a way to just like overcome it. It's always going to just show up, but mm -hmm. you just need to learn how to kind of navigate through it and kind of switch gears a little bit, I guess. Another yeah. thing I find that helps too, if I'm finding myself like comparing myself to others that are doing the similar things as me, is just kind of muting those accounts so that I'm not following them so much. Because if you're like constantly absorbing their content and seeing what they're doing and all of their successes, it's so easy to kind of get in your own head like, oh, look at her. I wish I could be as successful as her or whatever that looks like. So I just find being mindful of who you're kind of like, you don't need to unfollow anyone. You don't need to like hate on them or anything like that. Like they're not doing anything wrong, but if you feel like you're just constantly comparing yourself and doubting yourself because you're seeing other people's success, then it's probably a good time to kind of mute those accounts and just be more yeah. aware of what content you're actually absorbing. 
Yeah, absolutely. It comes back to still knowing what your limits are. And that doesn't mean anything bad. That's just knowing you've kind of hit your max. You're kind of spiraling. It's okay to take a break. Um, But something else too, you know, it's hard in the online world where there's, you know, infinite access to other people doing probably similar things to you. But just with everything else, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know how hard they work to get that first client. You don't know that they're still working a full-time job. Um, I've seen other coaches who are very successful and could already be full-time in their business. And then they still work their full-time job. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And if anything, use that to empower you to know that that's also possible for you. You know, you're comparing yourself to someone who is in a totally different situation. So it's not comparable, but that can be proof to shut down that ultimate imposter syndrome that what you're doing doesn't have a place or isn't meaningful. Like if someone else is doing something like that, that means there's a need for it. That means you can come to the table with something similar, but with your own unique way and it still make a big difference. Exactly. I love that. That's awesome. All right. So, um, to kind of end things off, I would love to know what your favorite way to kind of unwind and recharge, whether it's on the weekend or the evenings, just what is your favorite way to kind of just relax? And Yeah. Oh, man. For a long time, I was the worst at relaxing, which is funny because I think that's a big thing I help my clients with now. <laughs> I am someone that will be watching a movie, but also be like coloring or painting or doing something. Um for me, it does vary. I do have kind of a crafty side. And so I go through phases. Um, right now I'm planning a wedding. I would not call that relaxing per se, but <laughs> <laughs> a couple like Pinterest scrolls and pins, like make me feel like I'm planning a wedding. And so that's relaxing. Um, but for me, it's, it's kind of a mix of things. I, I do need that alone time for myself. Um, I do try to prioritize that in the morning because things get busy and, um, you know, having that time in the morning to work out right now, I'm doing a lot of Peloton bike riding, um, you know, journaling, um, not super great with meditating, but journaling and kind of reading for personal development. Um, in the evenings, it's playing with my dog and hanging out with my fiance and cooking dinner and maybe going to a brewery. So it's, it's kind of a mix. I need that time just for me to be fully disconnected and kind of relaxed. I need that time for me to be doing something creative. Um, and then just that quality time with the people around me. And, um, you know, I know we've talked kind of about setting those boundaries and balance with your business and, you know, that can be challenging, especially, you know, with your family time. Um, but that's a big thing for me too, of having those weekends where my fiance and I are both off of work from our full-time jobs, totally focused on us taking that step back from my business, because I know that what I'm doing the majority of the time is moving it forward and having that, you know, total disconnected quality time. Um, you know, it's important for me, that's important for our relationship. And that ultimately helps me feel balanced and feel that kind of, you know, peace and everything. Yes, definitely. And like we talk about, we've spoken about boundaries and stuff and that that is another big thing. Like you want to be present with the people in your life, whether it's your family, your significant other, like whoever you, I don't know, whoever's in your life different, but you definitely want to make sure that you're being present and just not kind of tied to your business and your job Mm -hmm. and the day-to-day things. So Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and be a get the first guest on my podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Um, I know that my audience is really going to resonate with this episode for sure. And all of the helpful tools that you talked about on this episode and shared with us today. So 
just to kind of cap things off, where could, where can people find you on social media? Where can they connect with you? What's going on? Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been so great. Um, so I am mostly on Instagram. That is my favorite place to hang out. Um, so you can find me at Katie, which is K-A-T-E-Y underscore Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S. Um, I do have an awesome freebie in my bio, which is really focused on habits, really focused on giving you simple, tangible steps to actually build the habits that you want. Um, it even has some kind of plug and play examples so that you can better visualize what that would look like for you, um, as well as start to track those habits so that you are gaining that consistency and momentum. So go ahead and grab that. You can download that in my bio. Um, and then I have other resources on there as well if you are ever interested in one-on-one coaching, if you feel that you need that kind of support, um, you know, all of that information is there as well. Yes, definitely go give her a follow on Instagram. It's also my favorite place to hang out. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. So you'll see us Hey, um, she shares um, a ton of tangible tools and tips and insight around creating habits and mindset and everything we kind of talked about today, but even more than that. So Thanks again, Katie, for joining us today. I cannot wait to see what's next for you and your business. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that I was your first guest. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could post a photo or screenshot of you listening to this podcast to Instagram and tag me at hillary.mcginnis so I could personally reach out to you and thank you and send you some love. I'm so grateful for you and I'll talk to you soon.